I'm Silas Farley, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to Hear the Dance. This episode is part two of my conversation with Jean-Pierre Bonfou. Enjoy. Jean-Pierre, with Violin Concerto, could you take us into the studio during the creation of the piece? And what do you remember from those rehearsals with Balanchine as he made Violin Concerto? It's like, you know, he will build it one step at a time, one break at a time, you know, and he will not go back. He will not go back. I understand that, that idea that it's, it's subconscious take you, take you there. And it's not that you have to organize everything when you go off. You know, you don't need to do that. To do that. But for Balanchine to go from one studio to the next during the, the festival, the, during the Stravinsky festival, he will do a step, only a step, but more than that. And, uh, and he will go to the next studio and then he will come back. And he was on a mission, that's for sure. Also, all those dancers were trained by Balanchine. So they knew uh, how far he could go and uh, they would be surprised in a way. And how would you describe the mood, the movement quality of the pas de deux to Aria 1 that Balanchine made for you and Karen van Arlene? Yeah, the first movement, I think it's pretty, pretty joyous, you know. There was something that worked really well for that the spirit. And then the pas de deux was uh, something completely different, such a, such a contrast. And I think in a way, that's wonderful that you can go on the same ballet with different mood, different, different roles almost. And that's what happened with, uh, with the, that pattern de with Karen. I felt that, that the way things will link logically, you know, there was that, that logic that, that, uh, that, that Karen will know what he wanted also. And, and you know, I had not been there for a long time, but, I just love to to uh, to see him move, you know, because that's what is really. If you really look, uh, you know, he's going to do it better than anybody. It sounds an exaggeration, but it's not really, you know. It's like, and you and you think about, you know, Fred Astaire and others, and not many others, you know. So, uh, yeah, the example, the example was really really down down the beat you know mm-hmm. and there's a wonderful story about karen and the back bend and yes the, could you share that with us at that, at that point when the music will come when he knew what he wanted and he, he really sort of that's what i remember that that he asked her what she could do for that that it will continue and roll and roll and she started to do those bend backs. And there's that, when she does that, there's a counter to that for, for the male dancer. And that also works really well. It's like he can't follow her. She took him somewhere and he can't, he can't go. I mean, there was some, some special moment like that. There's a lot of writing on Violin Concerto. So many people have written essays on it and analyzed it. The writer Nancy Goldner compares your aria with Karen with, interestingly enough, the potative between Orpheus and Eurydice before she goes back into the underworld, comparing that 
insular kind of tension. Did you sense that? Because you were dancing those ballets the same week. Yes, I think uh, what was good in what I really liked also in Vani Concerto is that I could see her. You know, so there was a reaction to her that was really that was really special. Uh, that strong presence of Karen was really perfect in, in that movement. And somehow there's something that worked really well between us. And then you grow in roles like that. That's what's so nice also. It's like you have you don't do just one one time that ballet, you do it more and more and more. And you grow more and more and more, and you enjoy it more and more and more, you know? Did you get to watch some of the rehearsals as Balanchine made Aria 2 for Peter Martins and Kay Mezzo? I think maybe I was doing something else, so I don't know where it was. But yes, and that last movement, that leader Russian dance, is perfect. Oh gosh, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's, a, it's such a pleasure. It's an apotheosis, this really, uh, something that you that you sort of heard about those character dancers, so that, and you see Balanchine do it, and you know exactly. You can feel the shoulders. You can feel how it developed. You know, and oh yeah, it's uh, it's classy. <laughs> it's just a magnificent ballet, and the structure of it is so rigorous that. You, you, you see at the beginning, the first section, the Takata, you have the K Mezo dancer with the four men. And then you see the next woman with the other four men. And then you see you with the first group of four ladies. Right. And then Peter with the other group of four. So you see each principal with every possible permutation of four right. members of the court of ballet. These little miniatures. Exactly, yeah. The structure of it is just incredible. And then the, and then the two Padada are such a contrast to each other. I remember listening to Karen say in an interview that the first part of it was very specifically to be for a, a, a taller woman and a, maybe a shorter man, or at least that they were more the same height. And then that Balanchine was intentional about Peter being so much taller than Kay and that a lot of the partnering was what it was because of those pairings. Yeah. Do you, do, what are your memories from the, the first performance? I don't know. I don't really know. You, you can't believe that it happened. You thought you... It's finished and you wish you could do it right away a second time because, yeah, let's go dancing. That's all I really remember is the enthusiasm from the audience also. And really, if you listen to the music, just the music, it's not something that you remember. You can't imagine somebody is going to dance on that. You know, in a way, that's what I felt a little bit first. And then I saw the steps, and yeah, and he really danced the balancing when he showed it. Do you remember when the violinist, Joseph Silverstein, came into the rehearsals? Do you remember what effect that had on you all to hear the violin in the studio for the first time? Yeah, because, uh, you know, we're so used to, to music to, from the pianist. And when you think about long time ago, there was no pianist and there was violinist, you know, we see Dega paintings and all of that. So there was violin, such a different sound. Yes, it, it took you with him. It was, it really takes you, because also, you know, the, the musician somehow sensed that, that, uh, that violinist was, 
was really moving. He was really showing us the way. And that's, that felt, I mean, you know, the sound in the room was so different and it was, uh, it was engaging. It was like, I don't know, if you, if you dance, uh, you know, uh, just to dance, you go dancing and you just go to dance and uh, like a country music thing type of thing, you know, there's that joy also. It's like you feel almost strange to have you, your belly shoes, you know. <laughs> so it, it makes you really in a, in a completely different, uh, different environment, really. Do you remember any stories from the, maybe the first performances of it, or did Mr. B come back and give you all any corrections or any ideas or uh, feedback? No. No, not really. Not really. I don't remember uh, him talking about it. We seemed satisfied. And I think it was up to us after that. That's, that was also a strange thing happening when you did the balancing work and then it sounds like uh, it's going to develop a way that, that, that balancing predicted almost. He was there at each show in general, you know, to see the company. There's that place in the wings when people put, uh, when Balanchine put it in his elbow and looked, and I think somebody eventually took that piece of wood and I don't know what they did with it, but it was so magic also. There's that confidence, that trust that was always there. I was lucky to have a photo of, of Mr. B within Orpheus, and he was, he's on stage, I'm on stage, and uh, there was a dress rehearsal, and at one point, he put his arm on my arm because I was going ahead of the music, and he wanted me to slow down. And then you see a sort of, I don't know how to call that, it's not tenderness, but there's something, like a sun or something, that, uh, that, were, that were a way to say much more than to talk about it because by by putting his, his arm like that and i could he really was asking me to to listen to the music more and it's hard for many dancers i guess who were in that great companies and now have a different life and hopefully pass on what they learned you know but also you know that's there that maybe for many of them that that's the best time of their life and then you know we can't even say that, okay, I know Mr. Balanchine, he would have done that. Well, no, somebody else say, no, we did that and change a lot of that. You know, it's just uh, what, what happened. The things really change and we saw him differently. We experienced his work differently, you know, but uh, I think there are many people get attached to to those memories because they are the, the biggest memories, the biggest time of their life. They had the time of their life, you see. Jean-Pierre, you said you, you grew in that role of violin concerto over time. What did you find in the role? What did it teach you as you continued to dance that piece? More connection with the music. It was that those steps were fully into the music. There was not one part that you wonder, you know, it was that pulse. 
there was that curse through the whole the whole time you know that that was there and so you just had to start in the wings and you move uh, and you get ready ta, 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 and then you go out and that, that's the way you dance even if you don't move at one point you still have it <laughs> right so i think more and more you you put yourself into it you know that there's not really becoming somebody else or whatever or making an effect and that's what was uh, what was so difficult in, in Paris Opera for me for many things many things were good but uh, making an effect that was what I felt like some ballets were at that time you know but I mean you learn about music when you spell on shit and even if you you know, maybe you you don't really know much about music, but you learn, or you learn to hear the music, you know. And suddenly, I would say that most of the teachers who teach the, the, the when Balanchine uh, company, I think they they have that musicality. I mean, Patricia is the for me is the best example, but it, it's like it's a it's part of your life that you that you hear it, you feel it. There's a feeling, there's no, I don't know, there's no ego or there's no, it, it's just about the beat. It's so beautiful you use that word pulse because Balanchine wrote this article back in the 40s about the dance element in Stravinsky's music. And he talks about the pulse and he talks about it being steady and reassuring like a heartbeat. Uh, and so, and so it's just dynamite yeah. to hear you say that because that's exactly what Balanchine loved about Stravinsky's music. Yeah. yeah. And there's, there's even an interview where... Balanchine and Stravinsky are talking and he said that Stravinsky taught him that you don't have to accentuate time to be in time, but that it's like this, like a pulse, like an yeah. undergirding yeah. and structure. Yeah, you know, at the library, there's, a, there's the score of the, the right of string and uh, it shows there's two arch, two shoulder phrases, two different phrases. And that was for 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 Nijinsky to understand that there's the the music for the music there's a phrase you know an arch and then there's the other one for the choreographer so for the dancers and for the choreographer and and that was a help for for Nijinsky so that phrase you have to really understand it that you have to know what it is because that's the way it was built I guess and you go from here and the phrase ends of what you say you know and then uh that's what the choreographer uh, does and then the music does another phrase and that's where also it's it's rich underneath so much also yeah and you see in violin concerto especially like in the last section when he's got the corps de ballet on the sides they're showing one part of the music and the, and the principals are showing another part of the music and you have this visual it's what what lincoln kirstein when he wrote about balanchine's choreography he called it balanchine's fourth dimension where you see sound 
and you see it in all of these permutations yeah. all at once. It was really a, a pleasure to see that during a show, during last rehearsal of the Violin Concerto, is that <clears throat> some things I had not had time to, to see it, and, and they were doing, the other dancers were doing something that was as important as the principal that they was doing. You know, it was as important, and it, in fact, it will project you forward. You know, it will help you to be right there. So the, yes, those two uh, different uh, uh, elements were really important, and that you don't see much. And the detailing in it, like the, the, the women of the corps de ballet in the last section flipping their wrists back and forth, or the women in the corps turning their foot in and looking down at their foot and crossing their hand like a, right. like Agon, like a, a yes. gesture with the wrist across the shoulder. Right. And yes. the, men, the men doing a traditional kneel and effacé, but then they turn in and they look down at their turned in leg and they come back. And it's just all these little, it's like a ballet built of all these little details. So on the top of that, that's what I love about also when you concerto, that last piece, is that you get all the sense of tradition, of a Russian tradition. You know that, that uh, I don't really know exactly how Banachin learned it, but it was there and you were, you were, you could, you know, be a little part of it, you know, for that. Because there was that, there was that sense of tradition that you you felt you know it's like a it's like a Russian hoedown at the end stamping the feet and and flying across the stage and the arms crossed and yeah. it's like a big oh, yeah. folk dance. Sometimes I wonder if uh, some former dancers, if they wouldn't want to do it again, <laughs> you know. And even if they are old, that would be the great part. That yeah, I think it will be, and they will be. They will remember all the steps. I'm sure they could they'd get the feeling of the whole thing, you know. It would be in their blood still. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And Jean-Pierre, did you have any favorite steps in the choreography? I was just watching the film of you doing it yesterday, and these huge, like, ton de poisson, sissons with back two, I mean, just unbelievable steps Mr. B gave you. What were some of your favorite steps? Yeah. Oh, I like so many things. I mean, the last movement is maybe one of my favorites. Maybe the favorite. There's something that's, there's a sort of Padusha, uh, you know, and then but it goes back, and the, the elbow just goes, 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 you know, and and the legs, oh, 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 you know, it's. Uh, I think that's so. You you bring the yourself in a space just by, for sure, with the the side of the uh, of the torso. But also that elbow takes you, and it's not, it's not, uh, it's not uh, artificial. You know, it feels just right because it works. Yeah, and you go back so fast with that step. Then you have to jump forward and all of that. But yeah, that sense of space 
was really liberating for me to see how you can you can be, you know. And Jean-Pierre, I mean, there are so many amazing roles that you danced in your time at New York City Ballet. Mr. Balanchine made seven different pieces for you, including Violin Concerto. And uh, <laughs> there are a couple others I'd just like to ask you about. One was in 1975 for the Ravel Festival. And Mr. Balanchine did the opening night, opening ballet for you and the other remarkable French dancer with the company. Yes, and and what, what did it mean to you to dance the ballet to this Ravel piano piece? And I was yeah. doing research and that night the the then first lady of France was in the audience and Mr. Balanchine was presented with the Légion d'honneur at intermission and Madeleine Marot on the piano. Mm -hmm. He was he was playing with all of the 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 French heritage that he knew you and Violette had. What what, what did that mean to you? It felt also sometimes there's the, like a little soup song of something. You know, it's not, look, I, I know that tradition, you know. It was a little soup song. You just need that. You need the wrist, have to be there also, and, and, and then that's enough. And you would maybe drink the tea the same way, <laughs> I don't know. You know, there was, there was those manners that were also all there and came naturally. And the violet was, sensational you know the the musicality the the way she will start the phrase there's that solo of hers that that's so sensational absolutely amazing she was so unique i mean you know the phrasing showing that all the time that style that that sense of that again some some sort of tradition it's like you i don't know that it's like you you knew that she was french <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was something that you don't uh, invent i mean it's in you and and also her teachers were pretty amazing in Violet, you know, so, so when she started, you know, because she didn't come from the school at all. So, yes, uh, she had some wonderful teachers. It was all those teachers also that came from Russia and all of that, you know. Preobrazhenskaya. Yes, and pa yeah. Paris was full, full. Uh, and there was many Russian teachers like that, and, and we would go from... Uh, one teacher to the next, you know, there was a, and that's why for me, the, some of the teachers, even when I was in the Cordo Ballet, because they had to pass five years in the Cordo Ballet, you know, and then even when I was with them, I mean, I had, a, I had some private classes with one man that I, he was a really wonderful teacher, Gerard Lewis, really wonderful. There was a sensational teacher called, called uh, Raymond Franchetti, and also uh, Serge Piretti, Italian dancer, beautiful, uh, elegant, he was great. 
And so you you had you will go out. You will finish your rehearsal. If you had to, you will run. I mean, you know, when you were young, you will run down the the avenue de Clichy or whatever. Go down, then you arrive and you start the class. You know, because there was so much to learn, and there was also so many good male dancers. The coming up, the one coming up, my group, uh, the the group that I was part of. I was the youngest uh, at 14 when I started in Colorado, and the other one were a little bit uh, older, you know, but all of them, all of us, we would go to these teachers, you know, and Freo uh, Bajenska, and I mean, yeah, like I say, we knew that, that we had to, if we wanted to, not just to progress, but to enjoy it, <laughs> you know, and you really could enjoy it. If you were uh, there, and Franchetti was one of the best teachers also. Raymond Franchetti, he was a good friend. And uh, the steps were really, uh, you know, it never, it never stopped re, uh, re-emerging from his head. <laughs> yeah. But the, the continuity here is unbelievable, Jean-Pierre, because earlier in this podcast last year, we talked with Elizabeth Kendall, who wrote the book about Balanchine's early life. Yes. She talks about Preobrazhinskaya and Andriana, who were the main, you know, male and female teachers at the Imperial School right at that moment when the revolution happened. So these were Balanchine's formative teachers, that generation. Yes. And, and Kendall wrote that it was Preobrazhinskaya and Andrianov who made that last generation under the czars, who then became the first generation under the Soviets, which is that exact window of time of Balanchine. Right. So just, did you and Mr. B ever talk about this history? Like about the teachers you had shared and yeah, the top yeah, right time there? Yes, he, he seemed to, to really like to speak French. And he was, he was very good. His French was very good. And uh, so I felt very f- special that uh, the, the two of us would talk in French, you know. And yes, he would, he would talk about Russia, about the teachers. Another of the ballets I wanted to ask you about was For Temperaments, because you had done the third theme in Paris, and then Mr. Balanchine revived the ballet after some years in 1975 with you in that cast. Yeah, I mean, it was not, I, I mean, I never, never danced again, the, the third uh, room at the third. But it was one of the best thing. I, mean, I think it's one of my favorite ballet, the, the four temperaments. I think you could be as simple as you wanted to be. It would come from. It felt that it came back from from deep. Yeah, that was my maybe my best memory. In fact, with Veronica and Chateau and that and Orpheus and uh, maybe few Sonatine for sure. Four temperaments is really also something that we we could almost show in slow motion you know we could really really see what's happening with the whole body but phlegmatic was really a great sensational piece and for women also the it was it was great there's a purity in in phlegmatic that's uh, that that's the way i see it
And and the last ballet, the specific piece I wanted to ask you about was theme and variations. And uh, again, one of those pieces where you were able to bring all of the the French school and yeah. probably the time you'd worked with Pushkin probably all came to play in that piece. Oh yes, yeah. There's an elegance. There's, I mean, yes, it's not easy, but you know, uh, no, it's not easy. It's a, uh, is it's grand, you know. And uh, yeah, they do, they do with Pat, Patricia, and uh, that was also some, uh, I mean, glorious music, orchestration, all of that. You can't go without feeling big and uh, fully find with the whole stage with you, you know, that you carry. Yeah. yeah. And there's a tendency to think that, you know, it's a hard piece, so you worry about some steps, you know, for sure. But but being part of that, it's also, I mean, go back to, it's going back to, to the tradition. The many costumes, the whole thing is, uh, is quite a celebration of the past. Yeah. Theme in Variations has been described as Sleeping Beauty's niece. And I love that. So it's like Petit Pas in miniature. Yes. And yes. Jean-Pierre, you performed for 10 years with New York City Ballet. You had an right. extraordinary career there. And from there, you went on to hold very important positions as a teacher and choreographer and director in many places. School of American Ballet, Indiana University, Charlotte Ballet for 20 years, where, yes. where yes. I got to meet you as a, when I was a young student. And then you've been the head of dance at the Chautauqua Institution for almost 40 years. So yes. can, can you take us back to your early days as a teacher and did you sense from the start that shaping young dancers was a passion for you? I think so. You know, I remember being in Paris and there were some centers where people would, uh, would just come to take class and they, uh, I don't think the dancers paid, the teachers didn't, didn't get paid. It was, uh, and they didn't know much about dance, but I would go, and I did that for really a while. And uh, it just felt natural. That's what I like about that, what I'm doing now, that coaching, that art of ballet. It's really about helping. You know, the, the, all the dancers have a little worry in, in them about a step that doesn't go really well. And they, even if they do a great show, even in the, in the great class, there's that one step that doesn't work, you know. And then if they can get rid of the, the worry about that step, you know, they, they feel much better. And so uh, when I do the, that coaching, and I do that every day now, almost every day, and it's, uh, there's really, it's the, it's all thing and thing about, it's not about I'm going to show you what you should do. It's not, uh, it's not about I'm going to show you one way to dance that piece, whatever. It's more about what you need. And I like the idea that that say, okay, what do you worry about? <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so at the beginning, they feel a bit funny to say their weakness. You know, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. I'm strong. I'm good. You know. But eventually, when they start to know me, and I've done that for 20 years at Charlotte Ballet. 
and then uh, and then now I'm doing that at, uh, in, in Reading, Massachusetts. There's a great school, the Northeast School of Ballet, a great teacher, Denis Cesare. It's really, really good. Got good confidence. There's a family atmosphere also. It's great. So I feel really good there. And, and I do a lot of uh, coaching. And I see a transformation because they, they, feel, they feel that maybe in an hour, they get rid of uh, something, something that was a nut, you know, <laughs> something. They unfold the whole thing. Oh, that's what it was? If I do that, I can change my habit? Really? <laughs> Mm-hmm. My habit of not trusting myself, habit of etc. So uh, I'm very happy with that. It's a good time for me. I would I would love to talk more about that because m- one of my next things I wanted to ask you was because you did work with the greatest ballet teachers of the 20th century: Balanchine, Stanley yeah. Williams, Alexander Pushkin, Vera Volkova. How how did all of these influences shape you as a teacher? And are there particular lessons or ideas from those teachers that you find yourself uh, synthesizing and then sharing through the coaching that you're doing now through the art of ballet and through your teaching? Yeah, you know, it's, there was M. Volkova and, uh, and Mr. B and uh, Pushkin and all of that. There's a kindness toward the dancers. You know, I remember Volkova at a rehearsal that I would go from Paris with a partner and we would rehearse a pas de deux. And uh, they, uh, they, at one point, it was the, it was the Grand Pas Classique and uh, my partner from Paris also did the solo and I was sort of, I was sitting next to Volkova and I was sort of a bit down, you know. And she looked at me, Volkova, she said, is too tall for you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just, it, and I forgot that because she knew what I was feeling, you know, and I think it's very important that we know what we, that we know what the dancer feel, you know. We have to find a way to reach them. And that's what I really like to do in that, that coaching. I think that's important. But yes, all these teachers, Gosh, so so many treasures there. They had so much to offer, and if you, only you listen to them instead of hearing the voice that worries inside of you, you know, uh, they really can show you uh, a little bit who you are. You know, also, you know, I think the best teachers also are the one who don't say, you know, that's exactly that way you should dance. You know, it's a, it's not about it's not about that. I give you some tools and you develop them. So a style is all those different styles. There's a generosity also for, for that people are different. And we have to treat them differently when we, we teach them, I think. I mean, you are a great teacher of science. I mean, the class that you gave in, in, in Chautauqua, the different classes that you gave about Balanchine style, I mean, that was sensational. That was so impressive. Thank you, Jean-Pierre. I feel that so much of that, the passion that I have for that technique and for Balanchine's 
aesthetic and his ballets just flows from the the influence that you and Patty had on me growing up in Charlotte. <laughs> getting to watch you all teach and getting to learn from you and have you as my teachers. And yeah. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about you spent 21 years at the head of Charlotte Ballet. And yeah. when, when you came to North Carolina, what, what was your vision for the company when you became director and how did that evolve over those two decades? Yeah, it was not very easy at the beginning because the, the previous director had, had died and, and they, they were in pain, the dancers, and, and they, they wanted me to look, to feel, to uh, be just like him. And I was not, you know, it was different. I just really liked the possibility to bring some choreographers that I that I believed in, you know. And so to bring Alonzo King was great. To bring uh, Dwight Roden also, uh, Mark Gordon also, who did some amazing ballets, and 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 others, and and now Sasha James is he, is uh, really good. I really love what he does, and he's in Chautauqua. Also, so and uh, Mark Diamond also was there for years. So uh, it's that diversity that to teach the the dancers, you know. And I think at one point, well, Chautauqua for the people, the idea of Chautauqua was was uh, that it was they were criticizing the fact that we would do we do so many rehearsals, you know. And all of that, and then eventually there was uh, just the director of the school said, "You know, this it's uh, it's not really good for them. With they need more classes and and less rehearsal or whatever." And then they that completely misunderstood because then when I I sent my schedule, and the schedule was three ballet class, uh, three three ballet class a day, and the rest were rehearsal. But really, what it showed is that the dancers are so bright that they can also learn the whole thing uh, fast, you know? So we did not understand that it was sort of easier to say, you know, I do these steps, I do that class, but uh, it takes time to digest it and let's do the same steps again and all of that. No, I mean, I see the young ones now, I'm working some some young ones in, in, in Reading there in that school. They're really 11 years old. And I do a choreograph the second piece already, and gosh, they're so bright and uh, so, uh, joy. I just wish I could see their face more because of that mask thing, you know. But uh, but they they accept it, and they I don't know they they have they have something that they want to learn. They want or they want to go forward or they want to be better, and they want to dance more and more and more. It's amazing. Do you have proudest accomplishments or achievements from your time in Charlotte or Chautauqua or Indiana? I mean, you've, you've already done so much and you're still so fruitful, but are there moments or, or, or things that you look back on with great pride? Yeah, the, the, you know, I left a few years ago, but most of the dancers are still there because I think, I, you know, I, I was proud to, to discover talent. And and they, they produce such an amazing thing, you know. And so I think that's why it was when I looked around and I see the company, not a big company, not a big budget, you know, but we 
we had some wonderful people who helped us. Some donors were great, and uh, with with what I could do with that, with the whole thing, was really good. Chautauqua also we started with nothing much, you know, but eventually, eventually we could do uh, a lot. I mean, <laughs> I have a memory of uh, we did all <laughs> sleeping beauty in Chautauqua one day. And uh, no sense, nothing. And there was an entrance of the prince was really important and musically and all of that. And you know the the orchestra, the orchestra is in the front. Was now it's a new amphitheater, but was uh, was in the front. You know, and then then there was a little bit of space between the musician and the stage, at the amphitheater, and behind the dancers go. So we did the whole. Uh, the whole Sleeping Beauty, and I wanted to do something big, you know, <laughs> fun uh, with the entrance of the prince. So eventually, I find somebody who can lend me—I don't know if we call that—lend me a horse, and the horse will come behind the musician, and the musician will find, and and they walk, they arrive, the prince arrived, they pass between the stage and the and the musicians, and that was. That was fun because, okay, so we did not have the money, we did not have the set, we did not have, but look, there's any magic, you know, or something. <laughs> I there's love some, that. There's some moments also, a moment that I loved in Chautauqua was, uh, there was a musician, a uh, cellist, a good friend, and uh, uh, he would, uh, he would, I mean, I saw him move at one point, he was a dancer also, you know, so I had him for part of the evening that uh, he would play, you know, and at one point he would stop playing, music would come on, and he danced, but he really danced well. So I choreographed a piece for him, and it's one of my uh, most, uh, that I rejoice the most to see him dance uh, like that. I remember also something, it's not really my accomplishment, but it's that one day, Pat came with the kids, you know, to to Chautauqua. She was not really uh, dancing, uh, teaching there yet was at the beginning. And uh, the female uh, dancer, no, that yeah, I think it was the female dancer. Who, yes, who couldn't couldn't dance, couldn't perform. One of the students, you know, and it was Ruby's. <laughs> and so they announced the microphone. Uh, Miss Sarah uh, from the School of Dance will be replaced by Patricia McBride. <laughs> and she looked sensational. And you know, oh. with a male dancer who was a, a young dancer from Ballet Theatre. But I mean, imagine, I mean, those memories of what was happening there was really special. And then there's so many of them, so many of them and Charlotte also, you know. Uh, now the the school has uh, the, those great studios, and uh, thanks to some good friends, wonderful people. Uh, that's when you can convince them of what you are doing. So for me, for example, now is that 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 coaching. We all know what is coaching, but what I want to do is a little bit different because I want them to tell me what makes you. What, what makes you worry about, you know, that, that I could help. And somehow, why, I don't know, 
or because I really like them and I really feel close to them, then I, and I think I understand them a little bit and I find the right thing for each of them somehow. You know, and it's not like I do, okay, you have that, uh, like your recipe, you do a little bit of that, it will work. It's more like, it, I think for you, it will work to do that. Really, most of the time, it, it works, they progress, and you see them smile, you see their eyes change, you know, because certainly they can do a step that they couldn't do and that worried them at night, maybe, you know. And so when I can help like that, it's a great, wonderful satisfaction. As you know, you know, to, to help others is much better than to help ourselves, you know. And it's, uh, yeah, so I'm having a great time. <laughs> Jean-Pierre Bonfou, thank you so much. You have just, you have shared so generously with us. I think that's one of the ideas that comes away so clearly from our discussion is generosity. You were given so much by your great teachers and you have given so much to me and generations of dancers. And you thank continue. you, Cyrus. So thank, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Merci beaucoup, Jean-Pierre. Merci beaucoup. To learn more about Jean-Pierre Bonfou, Igor Stravinsky, the Violin Concerto in D, and the great figures from ballet history we discussed, please consult the reading list that can be found in the notes for this podcast episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll join me again to hear the dance. <laughs>